The cannabis industry has launched in Massachusetts and $16 million in gross revenue has been generated in six weeks. Whoa, that's a lot of dough, man. Yes, indeed. And one of the pioneers and entrepreneurs from the cannabis business is Mark Shepard. He's one of the founders of the New England Cannabis Convention, where this podcast started almost a year ago. So don't blame me. No, I'm only kidding. Mark's in studio with us. We'll get to Mark Shepard and the New England Cannabis Convention in just a moment on In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Hi, everyone. Welcome to In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Today, we are welcoming in Mark Shepard from the New England Cannabis Convention that starts in March at the Heinz. Now up to three days of exhibits, seminars, and a whole bunch of information that you can get both as a business person and as a consumer. And we'll talk with Mark in just a moment, but a reminder that this podcast, once again, is available on the clnsmedia.com website. It is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, and a video recording for the weedtube.com. You can also find that video on the brand new Cannabis Multimedia Network.com. That's where you can find this. You can also find tremendous support for the industry and for podcasts like this one from one of our supporters, the Revolutionary Clinics, located in both Cambridge and in Somerville. The Revolutionary Clinics, obviously, are the ones that you want to go to to get the knowledge you need to become a user of cannabis responsibly and as a medicine. They have tremendous patient advocates who pride themselves with expertise that help you find that right medicine and explain the right way to ingest it to improve your life. That's the Revolutionary Clinics at 67 Broadway in Somerville and 110 Fawcett Street in Cambridge in the Fresh Pond area. Mark Shepard, thank you so much for coming in today and joining me in studio. Thank you so much for having me, Jimmy. It's great to be here. It's amazing to me. <laughs> you know, and that's in part, you know, the immediate solution is, you know, you, it's a field sobriety test. If, if, if you've pulled somebody over, I assume you pulled them over because you saw them driving erratically. Well, if they're driving erratically, it's probably going to show in the field test, too. Right. But, and I, and I think that on the, on the anti side, they don't like the fact that maybe I'm under the influence, but I, but I can pass a field sobriety test because I can drive fine this way. Right. And I, and I don't, you know, I'm not saying that that's, that's, that's an answer, but the fact of the matter is if, if somebody passes a field sobriety test, then they're fine to drive. They sh exactly. Especially if the, the kinds that they have now, which are very challenging. And I'm also, I don't want to advocate that you should be getting in a car and driving around smoking a joint. That, right. We don't want that. I, it still unnerves me when I pull up to a light and I look to my left or my right at that light and there's somebody vaping in the car next to me. And right. I don't know, by the way, if that's an electronic cigarette right. or it's a CBD uh, vape or it's, you know, got THC in it. You don't know. You can't tell. And then, like you said, unless, of course, they start swerving on the road and it really looks like something's going on in this car. Those are the people that should not be on the road. Right. Yeah. No, I, I don't think that legalization of, of, of cannabis should include driving under, under the influence. E even if you can handle it, I, I don't think you should do it. I mean, you, there's no, it's not necessary. Correct. And you're not just putting yourself at risk. You are putting the others in. Uh, and again, it's an attention thing more than anything else. Can you really pay attention to everything that's going on in that car? Look, I love the fact that I have Apple CarPlay in my vehicle and I can have hands-free communication with the real world while I'm driving with two hands on the steering wheel. 
I know that is not in every single car in the United States. It should be. There has to be a way to get the distraction of the phone out of the vehicle. Definitely more dangerous than what we're talking about. Exactly. We get that. I, I totally but, but see But explaining it. that to the to the law enforcement people, the prohibitionists, still it, it takes time for them to wrap their hands or heads around that a little bit. No, absolutely. And, and I see their point. They're just like, we're just adding one more thing that potentially could, could cause accidents. So from their job and their point of view, they're like, what's what's the benefit? More, right. You know, more freedom, I get it, but what's what's really the benefit? And I just tell people, like, wherever you're driving to, you're going to get there. And when you get there, 30 seconds with a vaporizer after you're done driving is the same thing as, well, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm driving to work and I need it for whatever you need it for. You can do it after you park the car. Or before you get in the car. I hate to say it, but, you know, especially if you're using it as a, me- a medicine and it helps you focus at work or it helps you with your, 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 your mood, to be honest, because there's a lot of people out there who suffer from depression and have had positive results from using different strains of cannabis as well. Um, obviously, we both lean the same way, Mark, I think. But uh, there are a couple of social media groups out there that have taken a stand in the last six to eight months uh, purging their sites of cannabis-related content. And I'm talking about YouTube and Facebook. They've either taken down sites without asking permission or just doing it because they can, because it's part of your agreement and consent. Uh, any idea on how that can change? or wh- what? Why do you think, first of all, that they did this? Um, I, I think when you're a big company and you have a lot of assets, you are going to be conservative and, and look at what the actual laws are and protect yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this. In most cases that I've seen, when people say, you know, we didn't do anything and they took this site down, I'm like, when you go and look, I'm like, well, you may say you didn't do anything, but read the rule. What you posted was an absolute, undeniable, clear violation. And I think what happened is those sites are so big and they grow so fast that a lot of people, myself included, got used to being able to post stuff that violated the conditions. So you do it for a year, you do it for a year and a half. Then when they finally keep keep up to you, it's like they've changed their policy. And I and you know I have to admit I'm like they didn't change their policy. They just started to enforce it. Right. And you know that you can say that's unfair and and whatnot. But we just adapted to it. I'm like okay, what's what can't we post? Because we've had you know I, I told you off the air we've had our ad account for Facebook shut down. When I look back and I analyze the ads, I can't deny they violated the policy. I don't agree with the policy because, I mean, their policy basically says I can't advertise my convention, which I think is ridiculous. But I can't can't deny that that's the policy. So I do do think that if you – as a consumer – all of us have the power to to influence businesses by not using them. Mm-hmm. So, you so know. How many people use Facebook and you're going to try and get them to stop using it? Now, granted, they are looking at you while right. you use it. Just keep that one in mind. Yep. What happens is is as as the cannabis advertising budget grows, mm-hmm. it'll become more and more important to Facebook and YouTube and Google. It's not big enough yet for them to care. Right. And eventually – They'll care. And just like the radio stations that wouldn't run my ads two years ago, um, all call me before my shows now and I hang up on them. You know, oh, I mean, interesting. Good for you. And that must feel good, by the way. You know, it's, it's, it was when we launched in 2015, 75% of the people I wanted to place ads with said, we can't do ads with you. And they all call me now. Right. 
And, and I'm just and, like, yeah, too bad. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting, you know, but I, I know some people in that business, as you can imagine, I would. And the, we're actually trying to work together on creating a campaign that is educational in focus, even though it is brought to you by XYZ Company. Right. That you can find at XYZ.com. And there actually has been a CBD store, a vaping store that has been on the Beasley Media Group in recent weeks. I happen to know this. I'll even give Milt a plug here. They're in Watertown, and it's a really cool store. Uh, that being said, the CBD fanaticism that's going on, um, what role and if any, I mean, where do you think this whole thing with hemp and CBD is going to go? Because now that the farm bill is out there, farmers can grow a crop that they can turn into cash as long as it tests under 0.3% or below in the THC, the psychoactive component in the cannabis leaf. Um, I'm thrilled that farmers will have this opportunity because, let's face it, tobacco didn't work out so well. Right. Right. And here's a product that has a cannabinoid in it, CBD, that can actually improve your life in some capacity, uh, help you sleep, help you uh, focus a little better. And, you know, the debate inside the industry is how much THC do you really need with the CBD to make it most effective? But in the meantime, there's a huge industry that's opening up here with CBD. Can you, do you, off the top of your head, have any vendors uh, coming into your convention that are just hemp and CBD based? It's the fastest growing vertical in our conventions. I mean, we had, I mean, anecdotally, going back to like the the capitalism thing we said earlier in Maine in 2017, I want to say we maybe had a half a dozen CBD vendors. They were the half a dozen happiest vendors I'd ever seen, and they couldn't wait to re-up. Come 2018, we were just in Maine. I probably had 30 CBD vendors. And a lot of those guys who who were there the previous year who just basically had, you know, white label generic bottles and really no knowledge, they just couldn't sell it fast enough because they had it, they came back to me and said, you know, the, the convention wasn't good this year. And I'm like, well, y- yes, it was. There were, there were, there were almost double the people. Um, you you got to raise your game. You know, right. everybody's here now, and these are people that understand the product. They have marketing platforms. They've got brand names. They've got outreach. They've got medical professionals. They're killing you. The, the the business is is booming. So, and we do, um, but according to the DEA, CBD is still not on the right schedule. There's nobody testing products for CBD that I know of outside of the cannabis world. Can you enlighten me a little bit on that? No, you're right, and that's that's one of the things that has to catch up. You've you've got something here that's been proven undeniably. I mean albeit anecdotally, but undeniably that it works on so many things. There's no science behind it. Right. Like, think of, you know, like if we had any other kind of medicine that people were taking, but there was no research on on the actual effects. So that's where we are now, and that science will catch up, um, and then eventually we'll we'll be able to really understand what's happening. But the funny thing is, is look at the supplement world. Right. How many billion-dollar supplement products are out there that have no FDA certification right. and they can't legally make claims that their product do anything? Right. They can't keep them on the shelves. Right. Turmeric, for, for instance, is something I take every day with CBD oil. And, you know, I'm still, I still have pain. What can I tell you? But I can deal with it so much better. Um, the 
hemp and CBD debate has kind of been put on, not on hold, but because the Farm Act has now been passed, I'm not quite sure it's going to be the wild, wild west here. I mean, are you going to be able to look at two plants in a field and and really distinguish the difference between one cannabis plant from another cannabis plant? One has THC in it, one doesn't, and they look identical. Yeah, I mean, it's going to make it easier for people to grow illegally. There's There's no doubt about that. Um, and, you know, you're talking earlier about consolidation. I think CBD is probably the place where you're going to see the biggest consolidation because in the end there's CBD and then there's organically grown CBD. Once it's distilled down, whatever, it's it's a cannabinoid. There, there isn't that craft experience in my mind. So you're just going to find eventually the biggest growers who can afford the lowest margin are going to dominate that space. Still money. Money dictates a lot in capitalist, capitalist societies, and it's, it's, you're going to see it. And again, it's supply, demand, it's what product, how you package it, how do you market it. Yeah, and the end products, I think, will be, be very diverse. But, you know, those people, like all of my vendors that sell CBD, you know, none of them are growing it. They're buying it from a wholesaler. And that part, I think, will will condense down greatly. But the end products, I think there'll be billions of end products. Yeah, The power of the placebo is really what we were talking about there. That, yeah. You know, and I've had Dr. Jordan Tischler in here. He Actually, I met him at your convention. Sure. And I, I do enjoy him. He's, he's, a, he's conservative and he has his opinions and they're based on his research and science and all that. But there are certain things that he says that I, I kind of shake my head and I go, really, Jordan? Come on, man. You know what? If the thing, if I rub a, a topical on my hand and I have a, a inflammation in my thumb, for instance, and the pain goes away and it wasn't really absorbed into my system, according to Dr. Tischler, because you can't do that, but it worked. So what difference does that really make? I, you're, you're taking the product to help you have a better life, get rid of the pain, take, you know, calm down those neurotransmitters that are in your body. But even though it hasn't been tested in research properly, and he says no topical can get into your system that way, you can't get high from that. It worked. So what's the diff? And he goes, that's why they have placebo studies in just about every medicine that's tested. And I'm not talking cannabis and CBD here. Right. I'm all talking medicine. about all the medicines in the world whenever they have oh. clinical trials. And they work at amazing they, effects. They have, the, they have the group that's taking a sugar pill, and then they have the group that's taking the actual drug, and they're able to look at this. Again, scheduling it down to Schedule 2, taking it away from the non-medicinal level that they're at, uh, we'll certainly open up research to and grants. And again, another way that can be uh, a help, a lot of these small liberal arts colleges in the New England area should be looking at ways to develop a cannabis curriculum. Absolutely. There's science involved. There's chemistry and science involved. There's economy, supply, demand, capitalism. There's politics, democracy. You know, which states did it through the vote? Which states did it through the legislature? Um, how are the, the bills different from state to state? Um, fascinating stuff and plenty of stuff to learn about and also get the knowledge that they need to be active participants, not just in practicing and using it, but actually being in the business of cannabis. Absolutely. I you mean, think it can save some of these colleges? Don't you think that makes sense? I, I mean, know, Texas A&M's doing pretty good. Right. You know, and, 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 and why, why shouldn't there be 
agricultural schools for a product that the end product sells for $400 an ounce? Geez, I, I don't know if that'd be worth learning how to grow that. Maybe. Yeah, I would think it does. Absolutely. And and I'm going to give Alex Morse, the mayor of um, Holyoke, a plug here because he is being proactive with this and he has a community college that now has cannabis um, concentrations for different courses, which I think is great. In the Weeds is a podcast produced at the studios of Little Park Media in Wellesley, Massachusetts for the listening enjoyment of our audience. None of the opinions or advice on this program should be considered medical advice or a substitute for seeing a certified medical marijuana practitioner or your local physician. All opinions and thoughts on this show do not necessarily represent the management of CLNS Media Group or Little Park Media.